Hi, I'm not Fiona Zeiger, but you're listening to the Migration Podcast. Yes, you are Kate Dearden, and from now on, we will be hearing your voice much more often. I will be on leave for some time, but first, I wanted to make some announcements. First of all, the MISCO Annual Conference is just around the corner, and we hope to see you there. The Migration Podcast will be there as well, and we've prepared something special, so drop by and have a look. Number two, we have a new podcast team. As you might remember, we launched a call for new members of the Migration Podcast team, asking people who are interested to become interviewers to apply. And we received an overwhelming response of very interesting researchers from around the world, which made the selection very difficult. But we're looking forward to producing our fourth season. And last but not least, keep your eyes peeled on the MISCO socials because this new team will be introduced there. And now let's start with our episode. Hi, I'm Kate Dearden, and you're listening to the Migration Podcast. Have you ever considered translating your research into music or other forms of art? To be clear, I mean going beyond infographics and other types of data visualizations that are typical in the social sciences. In this episode, Asia Pizarraskaya speaks with Caroline Wanjiku Kihatu about how she collaborated with composer Claire Loveday and pianist Marilee Stolp to turn stories from her book, Migrant Women of Johannesburg, Life in an In-Between City, into a musical composition. It is now accompanied with cloth artworks in an exhibition which is being displayed at the Venice Biennale until November 26th of this year. Caroline, you're the only migration scholar I know whose work is displayed at the Viennese Biennale of Architecture. And this is happening right now as we speak. How do you feel about it? Thank you for having me, Asia, and thank you for your question. I feel really excited, but at the same time, it's nerve-wracking, it's scary to have my work out there for a broad audience. You know, it, it makes me feel quite vulnerable as well. So you wrote a book, Migrant Women in Johannesburg, Life in and in Between City. This book is based on your extensive fieldwork uh, in Johannesburg. So how did you come up with the idea of transforming this material into artwork? It was mostly happenstance. For a long time, I've thought about what I could do with the book to transform it into more than an academic artifact. And it started 10 years ago, actually, when I was speaking to a friend of mine who had read the book and had read a lot of the testimonies that migrant women from the rest of the continent had made as they journeyed through to Johannesburg. And she said that she was quite intrigued about the, the, those journeys and she, had, she felt something for them. It was not just an academic exercise for her to just listen or to read the book, but she got to understand her own city, Johannesburg, better through those experiences. And she is a musicologist. She is a composer. And we thought about how do we you know, work together? How can we work together? I'm a sociologist and she's a musicologist. And I really, we really didn't know how we could do this. But 10 years later, she approached me and said that she had an idea, that she could actually turn the testimonies of the women in the book into music. 
as a reflection of her own receiving of, of those words, of those testimonies, and have a colleague, Marilee Stop, who's a pianist, play to that music. And so that's how it began. It began 10 years ago. As far as I understand, the artwork doesn't include just music. There are also other art objects that are part of the exhibition. Could you say a few words about those? Yes, so when we created the music, we were invited subsequently to the Venice Biennale. And what we realized when we were invited by the current curator, Leslie Loco, was that we didn't have enough for an installation, an exhibition. So we had to think about how do we make this film, which is a recording of the, of the composition that, that Claire had composed, how do we turn this film into an exhibition? And we thought about bringing together data so that people could understand the intimacy of women's words that were coming out of the music and the sound. And how could we dialogue with those very intimate moments that women's experiences and testimonies were revealing with a broader picture around how women move, why they move, and why Johannesburg is important to them. And so we thought about bringing together data that we would render or visualize in a way that was different from how we normally visualize data. I've worked as a sociologist and I love data a lot, but I know that sometimes the bubble charts and the graphs become quite mind numbing. You know, we see them so often, they're not very accessible. And so what we wanted to do with the art was to actually humanize this data, make it more accessible to those who are coming to the Biennale and help us engage with the audience. And we decided to visualize the data in African fabrics, the shwe shwe, the kanga, the, the kente cloth, fabrics and artifacts, which women use a lot when they move. They carry their babies on their backs. They use it as a skirt. They use it to shade themselves from the sun. And so what we thought about was how do we use these everyday artifacts that migrant women use and visualize our data using these patterns? And so that's how that story came about. Well, this is just wonderful to hear about it. But let's go back to the moment that you were invited to the Viennese Biennale. How did it actually happen? It was the day after our premiere. We had finally showcased this piece that, that we had been working on for at least a couple of years and that had been in the works in the universe sometime for at least 10 years. And what and I was really excited about how it made me feel. Let me tell you a little bit about that experience. I didn't hear the music until the premiere. That was in a year ago in Johannesburg in July. And it was quite deliberate that Marley and Claire had said that, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't hear this music until the public heard it. And so it, I was a little anxious about how it would be, how I would feel, whether they would remain true to the women that I'd spoken to, you know, and all those kinds of ethical questions around how does this translate. And, you know, when they finished playing the music, when I heard it for the first time, I felt connected to those women in a whole new different way. And I had spent years with them 
writing about them, listening to our recordings together, rewriting. And the music just moved me from my mind to my heart. And it was quite profound how I felt about it. So I was excitedly telling a friend of mine about this, Leslie Loco, who's the current curator at the Venice Biennale. And I was, I was explaining this to her the next day about how incredible it is to use different modes of storytelling so that we can reach our audiences and also bypass our minds and really reach the heart with some of our research. And she said, well, I am the curator for the Venice Biennale and I'd really like to invite your piece. Wow, this sounds really great. Before we continue, let's give our listeners a glimpse of how the music piece that we have been talking about actually sounds. Let's listen to the music right now and stay tuned. Welcome to Hillbrow. You will find your people here. Azila gathered herself and stepped tentatively into the commotion on the streets. She blinked as her eyes adjusted to the light. As she straightened the creases on her clothes, a heady feeling of excitement and fear came over her. I am here. I am in Johannesburg. For a few moments, she forgot her anxieties and listened to the banter of street life. Cars honking, a police siren, and people buying and selling. The cacophony of the city's sounds accosted her ears. She stood on the sidewalk and looked up at the towering apartment blocks. Down the street she noticed traffic lights, each set turning green and moments later red, as if in a synchronized dance. Fried chicken, mingled with the fumes from a nearby taxi. So when people arrive at the Venice Biennale and go to your stand, what do they experience there? What do they see and what do they hear? So as they walk into the Arsenale, where the special project Gender and Geography is, you walk through and there are these heavy curtains that separate the different the, the four different pieces that are part of the gender and geography. All women telling stories of African women in one way or another across geographies. As you turn in, you will enter a, a darkened room which has a huge display of the film. You will find your people here. And the film sort of plays and replays the music and, and Marilee's words and performance of women's testimonies. And there's a, there's a couch which you can sit on. And fun fact is that that couch is the only couch in the Arsenale. So if you want to rest and give yourself a break, please go to You Will Find Your People Here because you will have a couch in which to rest in and find your people in the exhibition. Outside of it is these panels, three panels of 
data that are visualized in different cloth. So we visualized conga cloth, which shows how African migrants have moved from the other parts of the world into the continent. The next panel is a kente cloth, which is Ghanaian, and that uses different patches, patchworks of color to represent where people say that their families are from. This, this panel really tries to show and explain the, inter, the sort of translocality of modern African families, that we have, we live translocal lives with family members in other parts of the city, in other parts of the continent, and in other parts of the world. The third panel, which is the Shwe Shwe panel, which is a typical South African fabric and, and design, it, we use to talk about the diversity of, that is Johannesburg. The, the, this captures the number of, of languages that are spoken by, by communities within Johannesburg in different parts of the city. And, and we captured 44 languages. And what is amazing about the city is that not only is it a Tower of Babel where people speak multiple tongues, but that even that on average, people speak at least three to five languages. And that's, that's incredible. On the back of the curtain that sort of shelters the couch in the room in which you can get in and watch the film is an animation of three pieces of artwork. These were created by Awut Sega, who's a Ghanaian artist. And these actually were her sort of interpretations of the questions around where migrants wanted to be, what my, my migrant aspirations. So we asked questions like, where would you like to retire? Where would you like to raise your children? And Awo went about using her own imagination and her style to display or to, to visualize these, these responses. Well, it looks like there is a lot to see. It's not an easy task, definitely, to bring science and art together. So I'm really curious, how did you experience this and what were the challenges in this collaboration? It's quite a challenge. And one of the things that this process has surfaced in me is my vulnerability. I think that getting out of your comfort zone is extremely challenging. And, and there are times when you have to let go. You know, we're bringing other people to the table, other co-creators who think very differently and who are incredibly talented and professional. So it was so important for me to stay away and not interfere with how Claire and Marilee made the music because I would have probably not been a good force in that collaboration. And so sometimes collaboration means that you let go and you trust. And that in the end, if you're working with people who are dedicated to their course, are exemplary in their craft, that it will in the end be worthwhile engaging with. The other thing is that being a scholar who's dedicated to creating scholarship that has an impact on the ground, that is accessible to a lot more people, that, that is engaged with by a broad audience. I knew that I needed to get out of my comfort zone and 
and just jump. I knew that I was scared, but I wanted to jump anyway. Because I knew that this is one of the ways that we can actually expand our ideas and, and, and create a conversation around migration, around all the issues that we're researching. So do I understand correctly that you didn't have much influence on the final artwork product that has been created? How much of a say did you actually have and how much was left to the creators to do their part? So for the music, the only thing I contributed were the testimonies. So I chose the testimonies of the women who would be featured for the music part for the film. For the panels, the, with a, which were designed in African fabric, myself and the rest of the team, there was a big team in the production of this exhibition, had a big influence on it. At first, we thought that we wanted to have more fancy models, fancy looking graphs and trajectories and, and things like that. And we tried that and that didn't work out. I think with the, that we had the wrong, a wrong fit. We were working with a geographer and, and we thought that that's what we needed, but actually I think what we needed was an artist and someone who could guide that artist with the data. And so literally a couple of days before we had produce a draft for the Biennale, we were stuck with nothing. And, and we, you know, we, we were really depressed because we were thinking now this is, this is over. We missed the, the, the biggest show in, you know, in, in our lives really. But what came to us was one of the things that the Biennale had said was that they want to be a zero, a zero carbon exhibition. And they really impressed upon us to use materials that could be recycled or easily taken down and had suggested that we used fabrics. And as we were thinking about, okay, so how do we convert our, our print data onto fabric and, and, and this and that, all of a sudden, Lauren Landau, who I was speaking with at the time, said we could use African fabric designs to tell data stories about migrant women. And I said, wouldn't that be cool? Because we know that African designs and fabrics are often used to communicate something, either communicate a birth, um, a death. When, when Obama was becoming president of the United States, Tanzania printed a congratulatory kanga with Obama's face on it saying congratulations. And so this was incredible, the fact that we could use African print to actually tell stories about women who often wear these kangas. And I think the, the universe just aligned and there we were and we had this idea and it worked out well. Oh, this is truly fantastic. And how has the response to the exhibition been so far? The people who have engaged with it have really talk to us about the different ways in which they have experienced the work. We can't control how it will be received, but people have, have come and say that it was very powerful to hear the music. Others have come out and said that the, that the fabrics are so beautiful and, and at the same time quite disruptive in sort of an elite art European space like the Venice Biennale to have this 
distinctively African fabrics is quite a disruptor, right? It makes people stop and think. And, and I'm sure that some people will hate it. And that will be okay because it means that we are pushing this, we are reframing the narrative around migration, particularly around the idea that African migration is, this, is migration to Europe only. And we know that 80% of Africans actually migrate within the continent. And that's the story we want to tell. That's the story we want to tell that this is a phenomenon that is not just a European concern, but one that Africans are also trying to engage with, also trying to address, also trying to have a conversation about how best to create mobility within the continent that is safe, that is just, and that, that addresses the, the continent's challenges. This is a truly incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing it. Do you maybe have a piece of advice for fellow academics, social scientists, and migration scholars in case they're up for a challenge to transform their work into art? Face the fear and do it anyway. And I feel that our job is to tell those stories. And if we can tell them in multiple ways and have our work serve society, that that's the best reward one can have. Caroline Wanjiko Kihato is a visiting researcher at Oxford University's Department of International Development. She is also a global scholar at the Woodrow Wilson Center for International Scholars in Washington, D.C. Her research focuses on migration, gender, governance, and urbanization in the Global South. If you enjoy the Migration Podcast, please consider liking and following us. Thanks for listening.